0: bring yourself back online
1: Remember. welcome back to freeze all motor functions a westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously presented by bolin media i am your host jared borislow Joined, as always, by the man who once helped his Uncle John off of an elephant,
0: if you know what I mean, Ross Bolin. Ha <laughs> ha, it's true. You revealed uh, Uncle John and, I, John and I's uh, secret.
1: That's a, it's a joke I stole from the movie The Love Guru with Mike Myers, one of only two movies I ever saw twice in theaters. Do not ask me why.
0: Something very wrong with
1: you. There, something was very wrong at that moment in time when I saw the Love Guru twice in theaters. We're also joined, once again, by the artist formerly known as Intern Serena. Serena, what's up?
2: Hey, I'm here. What's up? Still in a closet.
1: Yep, I am as well. Ross is in a nice uh, home office.
0: I'm in a furnished room like a man. With a casting couch in it. It does have a casting couch in it with two dogs on it at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, Serena, so people were getting mad at me For repeatedly accidentally calling you intern Serena still they were like she's not an intern anymore put some respect on it I was like I'm sorry Jesus
2: I think just normal Serena is a good I almost made it my handle on Twitter but Serena from LA is now what I am on too many things so I didn't change it but I'm down with just normal Serena
1: yeah it's just I'm if I ever say it again I don't I mean no ill will I'm not trying to minimize your accomplishments I'm just, uh, it's a force of habit. I called you and turned Serena for like three years.
0: And I mean this as respectfully as possible. Serena from L.A. could double his pornographic branding in some form or fashion. It could.
2: Thanks for that. I appreciate it. If I ever, uh, if I saying. never go back it's
0: to like, work. <laughs> that's Dude, that's like. S- it, it's
1: like, uh, it's just vague enough of a name to be not actually a name. It's just like
0: a, it's like a label. It's Serena from L.A. Yeah, that's I feel porn. like
2: it's more of like a stripper name than a porn star name.
0: No, you just got to trust me here. I mean, okay. there's what well, you've no. All got last... on your hands is a porn branding problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, if we okay. never go back to the office, at least I know that I have a solid career path in a, another entertainment industry if I need one.
1: Ross is dropping truth bombs out here. Before we get into extensively breaking down season three, episode six, we need to start off by thanking everyone who subscribes to our. Patreon, thank you very much. That was the thank you. If you're I'm a huge... still laughing, I have... <laughs> yeah, Ross. Uh, happy Blazing Saddles Day to you. It's very clear <laughs> that at this point, that is that has taken the reins. What Blazing Saddles Day? You mean because it's 4:20? You're accusing me of using drugs, Jared? Yes, I'm. I'm. I am on mic. Maybe I'm a little high. There we go. If you are a huge Westworld fan and just one podcast a week. Does not cut it for you. You're a smart person. Head to patreon.com slash functions and join us for one extra podcast per week every single Thursday during Westworld season three, as well as Westworld columns from me, Serena, and more bonus memes, Q and a live streams before every single episode and much more. Speaking of Patreon, Ross and Serena, we are just 23 patrons away from the big giveaway. What is my, the big giveaway? My God. Here's what it is. Once we hit 250 patrons, we're 23 away. Once we hit 250, we will select one lucky patron at random to win a FAMF prize package that includes the first ever Famp hat, a customized Westworld Photoshop of you in any Westworld situation you want, courtesy of Serena. And last but not least, a personalized video message, courtesy of a mystery Westworld actor. Who is it? I'm not gonna fucking tell you until you Bam. fucking get on Patreon. That was rude, I'm sorry. Um, all you have to do Hostile. Toxic. I know, I know. Toxic, uh, Jared. I promise there are better vibes than that on the, on the Patreon. It just takes bad vibes to get you there. I, yeah, I, tough exactly.
0: love. You tough pay love. with you pay with bad vibes, <laughs> and then you are, you're in the good place.
1: It's like getting hazed in a fraternity. <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of you verbally right now, and then you're going to make it to the Valley Beyond, also known as our Patreon, and have a good time forever.
0: Oh, that is what we should call our Patreon,
1: the Valley Beyond. I should have fucking done that. Next oh, season. Oh,
0: man. No, you just thought of it now, though. You're still good.
1: You're a genius. Thank you. All you have to do to enter this once-in-a-lifetime giveaway is subscribe to our Valley Beyond, our Patreon, at patreon.com slash functions Let's fucking go. Season's almost over. Yeah, there's so much content left. You're like, oh, there's only three episodes left. Two episodes left now because, well, I guess, no, three episodes. You can still join for this Thursday. It's still plenty worth it. Okay, Ross and I make sure and Serena, make sure it's worth the money. Support the show. Get all the Westworld content you didn't know you needed. Let's fucking go. And let's fucking get into this episode. Season You're, three.
0: You could also argue just yeah? saying yeah, you say could that. also argue that the Valley Beyond could be a pornographic title.
2: I knew it was coming.
0: <laughs> oh God. Ross Ross, your mind is
1: outside your front door. Laying next to a pile of wet leaves in the gutter. Next Jared, to the I have green. two
0: screens in this room, and you don't know what's on the second one.
1: <laughs> That's very true.
0: And you uh, can't see my hands. He's just watching
2: the clip of him whipping you on repeat.
1: <laughs> God, you sick fuck. Hey, the whip's in the other room. It's still writing It's a crop. It is a riding oh, crop. Oh, I'm sorry, riding crop. Let's do this. Season three, episode six. Decoherence? Decoherence? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where the stressing is in that. I'm going to say decoherence.
2: Decoherence.
1: They should have made this word more coherent, but decoherence. The meaning of decoherence. My good friend Will Wikipedia describes decoherence as the loss of information from a system into the environment since every system is loosely coupled with the energetic state of its surroundings. What do you guys think that means? Oh. I got some takes. I'll say them right now. The main instance we see of decoherence in this episode is in Charloris, who has lost her Dolores Prime Directive information. She's lost her ability to only do what Dolores wants her to do due to the familial environment created by her ex-husband and son. She is in this new environment that is putting all these different stimuli on her and that is causing her to stray away from her actual like core Prime Directive, what she should be doing, and start doing what she the environment is is affecting her into doing. And Serena, so, you, know, you go you go first.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I think it could also be argued that that applies to the man in black who is also breaking his loop, so to speak. Um, I don't want to like get too much into that right now because I have a whole bunch on it when it becomes relevant in the episode, but he's another character who is in an environment that's forcing him to veer off from a loop.
1: Yeah, I feel like you have a lot of hot takes about this man in black situation. You were kind of freaking out about it in the FAMF
0: chat.
2: It's true, I was. I'm still kind of freaking out about it, and I I need you to explain things to me. Is this what Ross feels like?
0: It is. Yes. This is it what is. this is what it feels like to be me all every week. Ross, do you have any decoherence takes? Uh, I I thought that the situation with Charloris was incredibly interesting, and and Siroc obviously pointing out that it's humorous that she ended up caring more about her family, her family, this pretend family, the family, of the person she's imitating than that person actually did. And it ended up being the giveaway was that the real Charlotte Hale would have never tended to her son in a situation like this at Delos. Uh, She would have completely thrown him to the wayside. As we see when we, when Charlotte, when Charloris first comes across her husband and son for the first time in this new world, uh, things are not great because she has not been there. She has been uh, uh, absent from the home on, on account of work. So I- I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Like, what? What is it? Is it any robot will end up, or any version of Dolores will end up having feelings for family if there's a familial environment? Or like, what? What is the catch there?
1: I think, personally, it's it's just like you said. Like, the tell for Charloris not being actually Charlotte was that she was doing stuff out of this response to the stimuli that the regular Charlotte wouldn't have done. I think that's because of the host, like, to a certain degree. Well, but she's Dolores. Yeah. She's Dolores, yeah. I'm saying Charloris did stuff that the, that actual Charlotte wouldn't have done because her response to stimuli is always going to be different than what Charlotte's would have been. Yes, you could also blame real Dolores for not kind of being like, "Hey, here's the deal. This you need to act like this. You your your emotions might take you in this down this other road that you're not prepared for." But I also think Dolores didn't even know that. I think Dolores th- isn't aware that hosts are capable of forging these like real connections that go against what they're programmed to doing. Thoughts?
2: I think she might've had some idea cause she has those two moments where she says the first is when Charlotte's Charlotte is freaking out that um, she's having these feelings. And she says, if we changed ourselves just to survive, would it even matter if we did? And then later at the that's end— That's when she
0: asks—sorry to interrupt, but that's cause exactly okay. what I was going to bring up, too. That's when she asks, why do we have to leave these damn emotions in, right? Yes, And that's exactly. the that's the critical point, Jared, that you touched on, is that the emotions that, sh- that Dolores left in for that reason that Serena's about to explain to us, because I don't understand it, uh, that's what leads her to being affected by this familial environment.
1: So she knew the emotions were important to making their survival worth it in the end, but she didn't know that they were capable of derailing all the plans. Is that where we're standing here?
2: Maybe. She might have had some idea because she seems pretty at peace with it when she's talking to Maeve in the simulation. At the end, she has that line where she says, we were the same she and I, but our paths have changed us. And I don't know if she predicted that that could happen, or if she's just made peace with the fact that it has. But she was very calm. She didn't seem like angry or particularly shocked by the fact that it had happened.
1: Are you saying the Dolores who was naked being kind of like talking to? So yes. I will argue that she had no affect because she was in analysis mode at that time, kind of, maybe.
2: That is but a she- point I did not consider, and you are probably correct.
1: But it's also, she also, yeah, I think she had no affect at that time because she was pretty like, laissez-faire so but yeah it really does bring into play here like the whole idea Dolores knew the emotions were important and so she kept them in however they definitely backfired because now Charloris is still alive but she looks like uh Anakin Skywalker after after that whole thing happened in that in that first reboot yeah she doesn't look great
0: she looks like it's a Terminator situation
1: it is yeah this it looks similar to what we kind of saw on the on the poster except for One more layer of skin's got to be burnt away before we're there. That's what I'm thinking. So decoherence is also, if we're talking physics, related to the concept of phase space, which is the title of a Westworld episode from season two, but I have zero clue what that relationship is because physics is one of the few things more confusing than Westworld. So let's not even talk about it. Let's act like I didn't say that. We'll all feel a lot smarter. Let's start off with my personal favorite storyline this episode, that. Of The Man in Black. I know it's also Serena's favorite storyline. Serena, overall synopsis, or I guess your overall thoughts on the entire storyline front to end, go. Of Just The Man in Black? Just The Man in Black storyline.
2: Do you want me to run through it or just summarize what I think the story holds for us?
1: I want you to summarize what you think the story holds, give your thoughts on it, and then uh, we'll run through it in a second.
2: Okay, so I think the ultimate point of this storyline is so in the last article I wrote for Patreon, I made the argument that free will is an illusion and that everything that looks like free will is basically a set of predetermined choices. And I don't want to like get too much into it, but I think the whole, at the end of the article, what I said is that for humans, the key to free will is sentience or like something resembling free will. And for hosts, or no, for hosts, it's sentience. And for humans, it's self-awareness. So I think this whole episode was about the man in black becoming self-aware so that he could break free from his loop. And um, after last week's episode, I expanded that point to postulate the notion that knowing the future is humans' best shot at free will. So with the man in black having this whole conversation with himself and figuring out like that his nature was always more black hat, then he let himself let on. His chance at redemption is now because he's aware of all this. So now that he knows that that's his true nature and he doesn't have this idea in his head that he's this really good guy that just got dealt a shitty hand, he has the freedom to veer off from that loop and have like a redemption arc as a good guy who might, I mean, he says at the end, like, I'm the good guy. So Which
1: is also symbolized by him now being the man in white. In his white jumpsuit, Ross, you're looking somewhat confused. I want to hear your thoughts here.
0: Yeah, um, so for that to make sense, we have to we have to believe that the man in black thought he was a good guy, or that he so that was always his take is that he was dealt a shitty hand and he didn't think he was a shitty guy.
1: Yeah, he yep. thought he he thought he was the product of an abusive father who made good and made all this money doing honorable things and like doing stuff that, well, we know that the honor cuts out in a little bit. Like I think what happened was at first he was trying to make a good name for himself. He did that. He felt really accomplished. Then he went down a, a little bit of a bad path with all this selling data shit. And then he really went down a bad path and then he started being incredibly self-loathing. And he thought it was... His own fault he thought that was because he made these wrong choices and like fucked himself over but really he looks back in this ar reality like treatment thing and goes oh shit no i started off bad i didn't make this bad decision so now that i know i started off bad i realize that i can change who i am because there's there's like I've always been this way and I can change for the better. It's not the fact that I've already failed at changing once. Is that right? I don't know if that's right.
0: It's not that I don't yeah, it's it that's that's a great explanation for me. It's just that it's not that I don't buy that. It's that I wish it had come through more on the screen. Like I just kept I kept asking myself, "Wait, wait, so what is the, you know, what is the take like so the man in black essentially what we see happen to him in this episode. He's in the facility still. They find a protein in him that does not line up with the rest of uh, the proteins that are supposed to be in humans.
1: Yeah, don't don't worry about that. I have the entire explanation for that laid out. Don't, okay. That does not, that's not related to the man in black. But I'm, I'm, I'm exactly... just going through.
0: I'm just going through his whole episode, sort of. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So they find that protein. He bites off dude's finger. They put him into this rehabilitation situation with the glasses. We think that he gets out of it or whatever. I guess that's when he bites off dude's finger. I'm, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's in that thing the whole time until Bernard finds him at the end, and we don't know how long that was, really. Yes, we know it was long enough for the
1: mental hospital to be evacuated because of all the craziness going on, but we, it could be anywhere from two days to two weeks. Weeks, yeah. yeah. So, I think that, uh, just going into the whole like meat of the Man in Black storyline, Serena was talking a lot about how he's now self-aware. The Man in Black has become self-aware. Now, what I thought was interesting is that he seemed to me the most self-aware I've ever seen him when he's talking to his psychiatrist, Dr. Lang. He goes through and recounts all the events that led to him killing Emily, and has this seeming understanding of the whole situation, how it was like, oh, it's my fault, I got too into the game. I've never seen him look this coherent. Like, literally, right after the last time we saw him, he was the most, like, Crazy, messed up mentally, he's ever been, and so I thought it was really interesting that he seemed to have this self-aware realization before the treatment even happened. And I'm wondering if he would have, if the, if Doctor Lang would have noticed that if she wasn't a little bit tied up in her own life of having her husband and kids leave her and eventually uh, killing herself.
2: I think that's a really good point that I didn't necessarily log into as deeply as you did, but she already typed in the computer, like patient recommended to AR. And then she isn't even listening to him when he's going through that whole thing, you know, she's crying. So I, I think that that's probably exactly what they were trying to do. It's like a, a good catch on that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was just like, huh, I wonder if she would have noticed he is self-aware if she was not totally like tied up in her own dealings right now with it's, I can't blame her, number one
0: So I'll you're say saying this. maybe they wouldn't have put him through that situation If she had been paying attention?
1: Possibly maybe. Now, I don't blame her for losing attention Because of what was going on I do blame her for having her phone on vibrate during a session That's like, what kind of fucking therapist is that?
0: Yeah, you gotta fire this lady, William This is a trash therapist This woman is uh, very inconsiderate I have had a psychiatrist that does this And uh, it it was not pleasant It, it just I- awful
2: I had a couple of things about this scene that um, I had two questions. It raised two questions for me, and I wondered if you guys had thoughts on it. Um, The first is when we see the man in black's chart, it says that he suffers from depression, anger, sleep abnormalities, delusions, and hallucinations, and PTSD. Appears to suffer from survivor syndrome and narcissistic personality disorder, but it does not mention schizophrenia. Does anyone have like a take on? Why that might be because Jared, you're the one that said you saw it on the tablet last season, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't. That's interesting that they they took that out. Maybe it was a misdiagnosis. Maybe like, I I don't know, that's really weird that they would change that up on us, especially because they clearly went out of their way to put schizophrenia on the tablet the first time. So was it a misdiagnosis? It, that, uh, that is really weird that, especially considering the schizophrenia that they've already diagnosed Caleb's mom with, that they wouldn't tie that together this season. Maybe it's been a red herring this whole time. And I'm interested. I, I think we're going to get a lot more about Caleb's mom this coming episode because it looks to be the Caleb episode. I think we'll have that answer there. So we'll know if they're connected. So we can probably just punt on this one until we know if Caleb's mom's schizophrenia is related. And then maybe we can tie it back together with a nice little bow.
2: I think that makes sense. I mean, he also doesn't seem schizophrenic. Like like you said, he seems very aware. And he also, if you think back on some of the delusions he's had, he's always said, like, you're not real. Like the the trademark of schizophrenia is that you typically don't. And I mean, Charlotte even says it, like you're unable to separate your delusions from reality. So I I hope that the conversation with Caleb's mom gives us more insight on that because it is a little fuzzy to me.
0: The only thing I would point out is in, uh, in a beautiful mind, Russell Crowe, his character as he's battling schizophrenia has the same thing, you're not real situation with his delusions where he's trying to tell himself and remind himself that what he's dealing with is not real. Um, but it's you're right. It's, it's, it's odd because aside from when they threw the schizophrenia thing at us, I was like, I don't really know that dude has ever behaved in a schizophrenic manner that we've seen. And then suddenly he's like full blown having hallucinations of his daughter and shit and it's like oh, oh okay I guess he's very schizophrenic. And then he's not it's not listed on the thing and it's like what the fuck? Uh, just stop confusing us.
2: That was my take on it too, but I Jared's approach is probably well I like hopefully they elaborate more on what schizophrenia means in this reality in the next episode, I guess. So but
1: I've had another Oh, go on. Go.
2: No, you go. It's. I just had another question about the scene for you guys. Oh, yeah. What is it? So, when we see Natasha's chart on her phone, um, it talks about all these things. It says she has borderline personality disorder, loss of medical license, risk this of is, This is Dr.
1: Lang, correct?
2: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, her first name is Natasha, but you only ever see that on the chart and that's just how I have it written down. But yeah, Dr. Lang. Um, it also says that she's going to lose her license. So, if Rehoboam's point in existing is directing people towards like the path that they quote unquote belong in why would the system put someone in that path or like allow them to go into a field like that who is deemed as unstable like it
0: that's
1: a great question what the like Rehoboam? what are you doing dude like why would you put a a psychiatrist in a position oh she's gonna lose her license (laughs) why would they make her a psychiatrist
0: yeah the thing is i was gonna argue like well maybe she's not done the thing yet that make because it it, didn't it say she was sleeping with multiple patients?
2: It said that was a risk factor.
0: Yeah. I wonder if that was already happened or maybe it's that she wasn't gonna do that till later and that's when she would no longer be a good psychiatrist for people. But it was interesting that they tied in like this I mean she's obviously a very physically attractive, pretty woman or whatever, but they tied in like a sort of like a sultriness to her before you find that out even and it's just sort of like, it was just a funky thing for them to play with. And then to see her like creepily in the background on that desk, man, that was some shit. Like that got dark quick.
2: So many notes on that scene when we get there, by the way, like a whole ass paragraph about let's that. Just,
0: let's just go, rattle
1: it off. We're there. Okay.
2: So I, I will go on record to say, I hate frame fucking. It's one of my least favorite things that people do. People did it with Game of Thrones. It can get over the top. But can you
1: elaborate what, what that, that is? What that mean?
2: Oh, frame fucking is when you like go frame by frame and you try like all the people who once there was one coffee cup in Game of Thrones went through every single episode and was like, well, there's a water bottle and there's this and here's this and here's that. It's like, I get it. Like things are important, but Westworld is a show where it's hard to not do it because they put so much in there that with in terms of like Easter eggs. So with that, I'm going to tell you about a big frame fuck I did. But um, there's a continuity issue, is the first thing when Natasha, Dr. Lang, is hanging herself, um, where she's about to step on this set of books that she like steps off to hang herself, and the books are facing one way. And then in the next shot, we can see all the spines of the books. Whether or not that's intentional is an entirely separate debate with separate implications, but they definitely want us to see the titles of those books. I can only make out two titles. Um, one of them is called Site Details, which is a book about architecture, construction, and planning using computer-aided design and manufacturing. And the second one is a novel called I Was There, which is about two young boys who grow up in Nazi Germany and end up joining the SS Youth Program. Um, I have a feeling that That one is shown just because of the title, because the title is I Was There. So my question is, who was where and does this even mean anything? And am I the worst? (laughs) Does that make any Uh, sense?
1: I would say they like to put these little like references to literature and like songs and shit in the scenes. I don't that's a good question. Maybe maybe it's just maybe you are looking too much into it and there's no meaning behind the books. Maybe there is and I just can't think of it off the top of my head. I will say though, that I think all this did happen because it seems to play into the whole like series of events of oh, slowly, like craziness is taking over the mental hospital, which eventually leads to it being deserted and man in black and not man in black, yeah. Man in black can be, you know, escorted out willy nilly by Stubbs and Bernard that seems to like follow in line there. Like slowly people don't understand that this hospital is, is like getting overrun by the craziness of the outside world. But like, maybe there is some meaning that do you think there's meaning in those well, books?
2: Well, I was there. It seems pretty like, and that's the title. That's the most clear. Like I didn't even have to pause it to see that one. I was just, when I was doing my rewatch, I could see it without pausing. So then I paused and tried to look at the other titles just when i saw site details and that one's more obvious it's a book about using computers to build stuff yeah. but i don't i don't know if this is just like a cool little aside or if it actually holds plot relevance I'm and i guess
0: that's an it's just a, a set slip because even if it was it's like okay so the book's about computers and buildings thing like so and it, and here's the thing if it was an actual thing they were going for like you guys need to see the titles of these books then it's an even bigger slip up that they didn't notice like that in the, the frame before that they had them turned the other way. Right.
2: Well, but then my, so this is me in my own head playing devil's advocate with myself. It could be like, geez, <laughs> it's bad in there after I, I texted the group chat before we started recording today and I said, I finished my rewatch. It took me three hours and I'm more confused than I was before. So there's a lot of this, like I have a thought and then there's another thought inside me that's like, oh, like that's stupid and here's why or like here's an explanation. So I thought it could be because we're supposed to see that the man in black's unraveling maybe and that's like why we see it one way in one shot and a different way in another shot, but I don't know. I didn't write the show.
1: You should hire, or I just say this, at Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan should hire you to be their PR person to just hype up all these things they do that are accidents that you turn into like amazing theatrical elements that they've sneakily hidden in there that only crazy people who are breaking down these scenes frame by frame would ever find out. That's okay. There's a, there's a market for that.
2: I sound crazy, but wait till we get to the end scene about William reading his book because there's an intentional one for the crazy people in there. And that's what made me think like, maybe I wasn't crazy about the first one. I'm going to bring it up on the show and see what everyone else thinks.
1: I think Westworld is gaslighting you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like, oh, she. we know she thinks she's crazy. So we're going to make her think she's not crazy right here. So she's going to look even crazier for for going all on in this first series. Not to say that it's crazy theory. We love crackpot theories here on Prison Motor Functions. All I'm saying is that's crazy theory. But maybe it's true. Time remains for us to find out that you are right and to redeem yourself. Uh, Ross, you seemed very confused about this whole unidentified protein situation, eh?
0: Yes, sir, indeed.
1: Okay, so I jumped down into the cradle last night after my rewatch. Laid there in the fetal position for about two hours, came out with The lock-solid J-bones lock of the podcast take for what this whole entire scene means. Okay. okay? Now, Serena also has a take. I'm not sure if it's the same as mine. We're about to find out because I'm about to get into it. William gets his blood drawn. We see there is an unidentified protein detected in his blood that causes a computer malfunction and a data breach at the mental hospital. So, this scene... And one with Charloris later on in this episode that we will touch on in a second are the answer to the why did Charloris prick William with that pin before shipping him off to the mental hospital question that we all obsessed over in episode four and then just forgot about. If you don't remember, right before he got put into the airpod and shipped off to the mental hospital, Charlotte pricked uh, the man in black with a little pin and we're like, what the fuck was that about? We knew we'd get the answer. We just did. Here's how I believe all of this went down. Now, this all sounds like a crackpot theory, but I'm not calling it one because I'm 99% sure. It's a lock. I guess a lock's 100%. I'm 100% sure it's what they're actually trying to show us, just done in a confusing way. So part of Dolores' plan was always to sneakily steal Delos' data surrounding the creation of hosts so that she could use it to create her own host army. Dolores currently has no access to a host printer anymore because Arnold's compound got taken over by Sirac. So, and she also doesn't have any access to Westworld's Mesa or the Delos headquarters right now. So she needs access to a host printer. So Dolores needs this Delos host creation data to learn how to build a new host printer so she can put all of her white Yakuza goo to good use. White Yakuza goo sounds gross, but I stand by my wording. I like the phrasing. Thank you. As part of this plan... Charloris pricked William with that pin, which inserted an unidentified protein into William. Charloris knew that they would take William's blood at the mental hospital, and this unidentified protein acts as a Trojan horse that gives Charloris the ability to remotely send data from wherever she is onto William's DNA tag, which is mentioned on the screen when Charloris is sending the data. It's possible she is just sending this data to be stored on the hospital server. but I think this is less likely given an actual crackpot theory that I'll get into later on this episode. Now, this all comes to a head when we see Charloris actually transferring all the park data she stole to Sonora, Mexico onto William's DNA tag. There is also a big-time parallel here between Charlotte Hale storing data on Peter Abernathy and Charloris storing data on William. At her core, Charlotte is a data kingpin using data mules to illegally smuggle data across international borders. Boom. Thoughts. Also, shouts to all of our middle school listeners who are laughing right now because I said both Trojan and prick during the course of that explanation. Shouts to you guys. Okay, Serena, is that the same as your theory?
2: It's pretty similar. Um, I figured out, I think the same way you did when they show that screen, when she's uploading it, it says... Locating recipient server, and then it says to the protein tag. So I think you can say with one hundred percent certainty that's where it was going because it said right after like to protein and tag. And what is so it though?
1: Did she say it is what? all of the information from Delos on how to create the host? So like she could make her own host creation operation, like the printing of hosts. But why she, she, did she have to she, put she, that inside of William? Because she needed to smuggle it out of Delos headquarters. And that's how she decided to do it, was to remotely send it over the the internet to William. Why would they ever look in William's DNA tag for this information? She needed to hide it. She needed to get it out of Dell's headquarters and hide it. She couldn't have it on her person because there's a great chance she's going to be intercepted or blown up. So she had to send it out so that Dolores could use it even if Charloris could not if she died. That is some crazy shit. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Serena... Where do you diverge in your theory for me?
2: I don't. I I think you figured out more of the pieces that like move and connect with each other than I did, but I went back and watched that scene of it uploading cuz you mentioned in the chat that it said that it was being uploaded to William and I didn't see it was like so fast. Like I it's impressive that you caught it and I don't think I would have looked for it and Less you had mentioned it in the chat. So I hope this also enlightens a lot of the listeners because that screen pops up and it says locating recipient server. And I put like five exclamation points next to it because I was like, oh, that's what Jared was talking about when he said it's getting dropped to the man in black. And then right after it says protein tag. So I hadn't figured out all the moving parts, but
1: yeah. (laughs) She airdropped that shit right onto the man in black's DNA. Charlotte Mac user confirmed. (laughs) We meet Dr. Alpert, aka Herb Alpert, of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, who administers William's AR treatment. If you get that reference, you're a big fan of Spanish Flea, one of the greatest big band songs of all time. What? When William what? is sitting, what in the don't fuck? worry, that's not for you. That reference is not for you, Ross. That reference is for all the listeners who like Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Now, when William is sitting in that all-white room with the glasses flickering over his eyes, it legitimately, to me, looked like a scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory of them being in the rooms and getting all that shit done to them.
0: Yeah, especially because there's a point in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they put on some type of goggle situation. And in the updated Johnny Depp one, I got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory vibes out of that too.
1: Yeah. So I want to hear your guys' take on this. I have a theory on the augmented reality treatment process. This is kind of a tangent from the actual like show. This is my take on how the AR treatment is designed to work. So, I think they call it AR treatment, otherwise the AR of course standing for augmented reality. I think they call it AR treatment to each other and to patients, but they know that it's actually a VR treatment or virtual reality. All along, and I think this is all part of the trickery we see happen, where they trick patients into thinking they're being removed from the AR experience and sedated. As we see, the man in black can't handle the AR experience, so they come in, they try to sedate him. He bites the guy's finger off. Then they, then they, then he wakes up in his cell. Yeah, blah blah blah. I think that that is all. The trickery is part of the treatment because they're trying to make, they're trying to take all the barriers down from the person they're treating so that they're more engrossed in the VR experience because they don't understand that it's part of the AR treatment. I'm with that. Because he woke up in his cell and he's like, okay, what the fuck? Like, this guy's taking me to this treatment. Oh my God, it's all me. Like, they don't, they don't comprehend that, oh, this is just the treatment because in their minds, they've been removed from the treatment already. Now, there is evidence that I'm right by there being no finger blood on the Man in Black's white smock when Bernard and Stubbs come to get him. There was blood from him biting the finger off, but because my theory holds that that entire simulation was a simulation, that entire thing where he bit the guy's finger off was a simulation, there should be blood on him, but there's not. Confirmed. Theory confirmed. Boom. 420 confirmed.
0: Uh Uh-oh.
2: Damn. Okay. So, do you think... Do you have any... thoughts on what this might mean, because we know Caleb also underwent the same AR treatment when he was struggling with PTSD. Uh, They really wanted us to know that when she said it's common with veterans. And we've seen those shots of him with the glasses. So do you have any predictions for how this might play into Caleb's storyline at all? Or is it too soon to tell?
1: I did not catch the fact that Caleb went through that. That's a great catch. And it definitely is going to come into play. And this probably did a great job of introducing us to the treatment so that when we see Caleb go through it we'll have a better understanding of what exactly is all going on.
2: Well, I think you just outlined what the rules of it are. And that I feel like that, <laughs> I don't want to call the shots too soon, but that puts us like ahead of the game for when we see what happens to Caleb, because I'm sure they'll use some of the same twists um, yeah. when we see him undergo his treatment.
1: Now, I need to ask you guys this. Why, 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 why is Craddock, the confederado general, the nurse who leads William to his William group therapy session. I have. I do not get it. I'm. I'm totally. A, a, I'm in a Bolivia, Bolivia. Whom? <laughs> so Ross from season two, the Confederado General Craddock, the the, the the guy with the Georgia Southern accent. Uh huh. He is the nurse who leads the man in black to his William group therapy
0: session. Did you Did you miss that? These it Seems the like you missed that. Oh yeah, I missed that. Serena,
1: please, please tell me you understand this because I'm totally off the deep end here.
2: I have a question, and then maybe a take, depending on how the question gets answered. Okay. Um, Did Craddock ever have a standoff where he might have killed the Man in Black? I'm not remembering very well.
1: I I do not personally. Well, yes. Okay. Okay. I I think. Do you remember? I'm pretty sure that. Remember that church scene where Craddock's in like the church and then the man in black comes in and there's like a gun battle that ensues? Am I making that up? No, I'm 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 pretty sure that
2: that happened.
1: Okay. Please connect this for me.
2: Okay. So when we're in. I I hope this is right. When we're in um, his first AR memory where he freaks out and wants to leave, he sees that shot of himself as a child. By the way, why does that kid look like 40? That kid's creepy. (laughs) Um, We see this shot of child William reading a book. So obviously I paused it to read what was on the book page. And this is what I was talking about where this is what made me think I wasn't crazy earlier. He's reading a book called Sir Rowan and the Lady of Sulan. I looked it up and it's not a real book, but Sir Rowan is a real character from a different set of books, which are, it's like these knights books. Anyway, so as far as I can tell, not a real story, but they want us to read it. I looked into Sir Rowan and the first Google search result that comes up is called Sir Rowan and the Camerian Conquest. I didn't have time to read the 200 page book, but the summary alone is relevant. I recommend looking it up. Um, But the page itself describes a queen pulling out a sword from someone named Sir Logan's head. By the way, Sir Logan is not a character in the original book. Logan! Right. Logan! (laughs) And attempting to kill Sir Rowan with it, but she is stopped by a knight. And then when the queen runs and tells the king, this is all what's on the page, by the way, what happened, the king considers killing Sir Rowan, but decides it would be dishonorable to slay him since he's a guest in the king's courts. It literally says guest and gives him leave. The real kicker is that I ran the word Sulan through Google Translate, and the only thing that pops up is that it's the Sudanese word for West. What? So the title <laughs> the title is literally Sir Rowan and the Lady of the West.
0: Are you fucking with me right now? Am I, no. am the, I on a okay, honest Okay, okay, shot? okay.
1: Ashton? Is that... What the what fuck? W- you, you, go, you go, oh... <laughs> I might have a theory, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm pretty sure the Man in Black met Craddock at some point, and you're like, oh, okay, so maybe it's what the fuck? The
0: Sudanese word for what? The Sudanese word for
1: what? West? Like,
0: what? You, where'd you pull that out of? Good God, I thought I was high. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Okay, okay so I was. <laughs> how does that? So how does Defend that? Defend yourself.
0: Defend what? <laughs> what you're doing is insane
1: please elaborate she can't now, talk
0: now she's just laughing we're too we're too deep she's just we're crying so deep
1: into this insane tangent you've created i need you to tie it back to craddock and the man in black
0: the sudanese word for west this has to be the title of the podcast episode the sudanese word for west unreal
2: it really is though if you type if you type it in to google translate the only thing that popped Who up would is that do that? That? me i had to understand why they showed us this Because they showed us a whole page that you can read. And in Westworld, nothing is ever just there to not be looked at. It's just not. So I was like, okay, I have to read this page. And then after I read the page, I was like, this has to have come from somewhere. So then I learned about Sir Rowan. And as it turns out, his whole original story is, by the way, a Christian redemption arc, which is why they have all that shitting on religion in the beginning. And then at the end, he's like, oh, I found my purpose and all that. But there's this character who decides... It's the king, but he decides not to kill Sir Rowan when he could have. <laughs> God damn it! Ross is you just guys laughing can't... his ass off. And one of the first few lines of her
0: theory was, "I didn't have time to read the three hundred page book." <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Serena, we're, we're, I feel like we're getting close here. Let's 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 keep this rolling because we're too deep now. We have to finish it.
2: Is it possible that it's crowded? <laughs> They're all laughing at me so hard, and I. Is, see wait, them hold and on. No one else are you saying Sir?
1: Are you saying Sir Rowan is Craddock or the Lady of the West?
2: The Lady of the West is Dolores. Okay. Sir Rowan is the Man in Black. Okay. Or William, however you want to call it. The, I don't know who the fuck the knight is that stops. Um, probably like Bernard or something. But then there's this king who almost kills him and then doesn't.
1: Oh shit! That's Craddock, I guess. So. Right? That was
2: my very Yeah, that's shit. what I was getting at. I had okay. a pe-
1: we need to I- at Lisa joy here and be like, hey, I-, I think we're the first people on the fucking planet to decipher what you've done in this episode.
2: I feel like because I was working out the cratic part as I said it out loud, it sounds a lot crazier than I meant for it to sound. But the whole page it's there for reading so read it and then i hope i kind of planned my hotline call was going to be i was going to actually read this 200 page book
1: oh my and see god how t- <laughs>
2: and
1: see how it tied it you might have to now uh, here's the thing yeah i guarantee you
2: out of his chair is there he's up you need the
1: to floor. go to westworld rehab <laughs> There is, there, I guarantee you, all the listeners are gonna fucking love this because nobody, you couldn't even find this on Reddit. Nobody's doing this theory. This is, this is an oh my god! So, she's showing us her notes, they're handwritten, and it's like an entire
0: book report. The Jeez. Sudanese word for west. This is like when you walk into the room of a crazy person on a TV show or in a movie, and all the walls are covered with paper, and, Pepe you're, like, Sylvia, and you're like, Pepe oh, Sylvia. Who is no. Pepe Sylvia? Also, who is a beautiful mind again? Also. Uh, uh,
2: Charlie Day,
0: yes, Ross hasn't seen it's always sunny. From it's okay. always, no, I this everybody, is everybody's seen time. that meme, Jared. Everybody's seen the Charlie Day, always sunny meme, Jared.
1: This is a really good time to announce our next guest, actually. Uh, basketball player Thon Maker. Oh, who also, so Carrie, translate
0: sorry. Carrie from Homeland. Carrie from Homeland also does this all the time with the paper on the wall. Sorry, Jared. What joke are you making about uh, th- uh Continue. Uh, we're gonna
1: have Thon Maker. Noted Sudanese basketball player on the show to translate every single word from Westworld as a series into Sudanese for us.
0: How did you remember that Thawne maker is Sudanese
1: off the top? I googled it. You, would you? What did you Google? Sudanese basketball. I knew Manute Bol was, but you googled I Sudanese wasn't sure about basketball players. That's where we're yeah. at now. Okay, I w- I'm not going to say we derailed because we got insight that we never. Could have ever gotten what? from anywhere else in the world. But I don't even understand what it was. Ross, Ross, re-listen to the podcast. Okay. Because we actually, it was easy to follow, I think. whats okay, important Charlie Day is the it. man in black. Okay. Yes.
2: <laughs> is that, it's that book that it was originally taken from is a Christian redemption arc where a character who has made a lot of mistakes ends up getting a chance to redeem himself and be a better person. That's the most important part. Then there's a bunch of ways that Westworld subverted it, changed the title, made it so that the title is Sir Rowan and the Lady of the West. Those in are the two, two most Sudanese. important
0: things. Make sure you say in, in
2: Sudanese. Sud-
0: <laughs> so I guess I, I, <sighs> my, I had to know. my only response is this. If they take the time to plant stuff like that to that degree, instead of just writing a better story, I am going to set something on fire. End of take.
2: I think it's more of an Easter egg than something that's integral to the plot. I think by the end of the episode, we were to understand that the man in black has made his transition from black to white, black hat to white hat, bad to good, however you want to look at it. And then all of these other things are just supporting evidence. It's so, like,
0: weird he, to go he, that he, mile. Like, we get it. He's in all white now and shit. He I like, I like when loud. they put Easter eggs in. He says out loud,
2: I like I'm the good
1: guy. I like the Easter eggs because it gives you something to look deeper into and it re- it can make you like more certain of certain things. So like now I know that the Man in Black story arc is real. They're not going to put a little twist in there. It's solidified that he's now the good guy and he's on a redemption tour 2020. Now let's talk about the William Group Therapy session moderated by Jimmy Delos. Getting the ability to further develop the character of every version of William that we've ever met was, I found, incredible. I I loved this. Getting every William in the room together, having them interact with each other, having the one who's a very good guy, having the one who's a bad guy, having the one who's a a kid who's, like, misunderstood by himself. I really like this. And getting insight into William's revisionist history of his own childhood was super interesting. As we touched on earlier in this episode, how now that he knows who he is, he can actually change and move forward.
0: So, is this like essentially their uh, their, their ayahuasca trip for this dude? That like he's like goes through this experience and know- now he intimately knows all the versions of himself and then literally murders all of the versions of himself, and so now he truly knows himself and can go do good? Is that the argument? Yeah. Okay. That seems to be it. Yeah, okay. I can sit with that.
1: Serena?
2: I, I, know, just, I You think said you had
1: many takes here.
2: Well, I touched on a lot of them in the beginning. I felt like this is a scene where we're really supposed to understand that his journey to self-awareness is what's going to enable him to be free. And I mean he's he says it at the end, like I'm free. So um there's two- and Do you things think he
1: only became free via killing all the other Williams? Is that like in his own mind what made him free? Because he murked all the Williams.
2: Maybe I felt like he murked all the Williams symbolically because those were the parts of himself that did bad. Okay. So now the only version of himself is the version that wants to be good and wants to be, like, the best version of himself. So in order to do that, he had to delete. I'm mocking him, murking one William with the chair. Um, he had to delete all of those versions and, of himself. And
0: that is literally, like, what you do in therapy, which is what makes it sort of a cool metaphor that I didn't have too much issue with, other than it being uh, fairly confusing. Mainly Jim Delos being there. I was like, what? 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 but yeah therapy uh, you obviously you address the prior versions of yourself and you make peace with stuff that's happened to you in your past so that you can move forward in a more healthy and productive way and uh, yeah that was the most effective fucking therapy ever if we just watched the dude from like what an episode or two ago who was shooting holes in the house uh to him going i know what i have to do i'm the good guy and now he's going to go do good guy hey. stuff. We're going to see him do good hey. guy stuff. Is that actually
1: going to be what happens? We need a, a Man in Black, Billie Eilish mashup. I'm the good guy. Duh. Duh. We need that. That's Serena, you're on the case for the Man in Black, Billie to,
0: Eilish mashup. It has to be in Sudanese, though. <laughs>
2: And then and then the part where the it's the doo-doo, is just going to be hitting himself with the chair.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to get DM or DCM8 or whatever. It's yeah. so hard. DM D, whatever. Is it DCMA? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So
2: copyright struck.
1: Yeah, whatever. The last thing that I need to get into here. What is Bernard and Stubbs plan for William? Also, how did they track him? Why did they track him? What's going
0: on here? Do either of you have takes? I mean, look, the thing... It, I'm still not... Uh, I'm not, like, the whole him experiencing therapy and finding himself and now knowing what he has to do, that didn't really click for me the way I wish it had, where, like, I uh, the explanation for what I was seeing on screen, I understood. But in, in terms of the broader storyline, I'm like... Wait, well, because we spent so much time with this guy. And it's odd for them to kind of flip him on his head and to now be on, which we obviously see as the good guys, Bernard and Stubbs. It's just kind of a strange thing. Serena, your thoughts?
2: I think it's to this whole season, and Jared said it early on, and I feel like it's just been expanded on, is about how humans, hosts, everyone are all just on their loops. Whether you're human or AI, it doesn't matter. And so the whole season is about a bunch of characters breaking from their loops. And I feel like um, a big part of this was, I mean, he says like, so I never had a choice. And we touched on it last time. There was that line where he said, "The um, the best way to have a happy life is to accept you were never really in control. So this is like William accepting that he was never really in control so that he can break from his loop. I know it seems like, Maybe it was like a roundabout way to do it, but i I feel like systematically we're going through each character like diverging. It's a literal divergence from their loop, and we needed a lot of the the backstory, I guess to fully to complete like our loop with understanding that. Does that like satisfy? Yeah,
0: me? yeah, I, I think the one of the questions that I'll have going into the uh the last few episodes, couple episodes here. How many do we have left? Dose, two more the last couple episodes here. It, it, when you break from your loop, do you not just start a new loop? And because we have this concept right now that it's you break off of your loop and then you have freedom, right? And then you just doing whatever you want. And I think that's interesting just because another show that I've been watching devs on uh, FX on Hulu played with a similar plays with this concept. and um I'll just say they they come away with some some different, Conclusions that I think we're going to come away with on Westworld, and they did it in a little, a little bit different way. So it's – I'm just interested to see, like – I buy that everybody breaking off their loops, Aaron Paul breaking off his loop, the man in black breaking off his loop. Uh, I'm just failing to see that get tied up in a way where we go, oh, in the next couple. We'll, I don't know. We'll see.
2: Well, all the marketing for the episode was free will is not free, right? So I guess this There's is all – There's a hefty all, all seeing-
1: fucking fee. We also. Right. Are, so this is us elite. seeing what Freedom that hefty fucking fee. Okay. Yeah. This is the hefty fee. I have a hefty crackpot theory on this, Ooh. on this whole Bernard, Stubbs, William Sitch. If you adhere to the Bernard is subconsciously under Dolores' control camp, then this crackpot theory is for you. Dolores led Bernard to William subconsciously to Bernard, as in. Dolores led Bernard to William, and Bernard doesn't know why, but he just wanted to go seek out William. Because Dolores needs Bernard to retrieve the Delos host creation data that she has stored in William's DNA tag. And she doesn't have oh. any other Doloreses to go do that, so she had to send her little lackey Bernard, the unknowing uh, henchman. Hmm? Very, very, very possible. Very possible indeed. Uh, Time for... And ad Read, this week's episode of Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by a new sponsor, Mint Mobile, baby. We love Mint Mobile as a sponsor for so many reasons. You've probably started seeing their commercials lately on YouTube or TV or both. We love them because, like Siroc's brother and this very podcast, they are a disruptor. Siroc's brother disrupted the system. FAMF disrupts the Westworld podcast drama. Genre? Genre. The genre. With. L- The genre with levity and humor and mispronunciations of different words. Mint Mobile disrupts the entire wireless provider industry in pretty much every single way. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what you are paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. You don't really have another option. Enter your other option, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage that you are used to, but at a fraction of the cost, a mathematical fraction of the cost, because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly to you. It's 2020, people. We as a species pride ourselves on using technology and common sense to make things more convenient and cheaper. So tell me, why are people still shopping wireless providers using literally the same non-user-friendly, expensive, broken system that their parents did back when they got their first cell phone in the early 90s. It makes no sense. We buy everything differently than we did back then. And now it's time to bring that into the wireless provider game. I received my Mint Mobile SIM card and this company has it figured out. It, It all like takes you directly through the process, super easy to use, and the SIM card they send can be transformed into three different sizes. I didn't know you could transform a SIM card into three different sizes, but you can, depending on which one the phone you already own needs because it works with the phone you already have. You don't need to buy a phone and get into some weird contract. Literally, buy the SIM card, put it in your phone, cheaper cell service. It really is as simple as pay $15 a month, insert SIM card, and start saving astronomical amounts of cash immediately. Personally, I believe this is the beginning of a massive shift in wireless providers, and Mint Mobile is at the forefront of it now more than ever. We could all stand to have some extra cash on hand, and switching to Mint Mobile is a great way to ensure that you do just that. A wireless provider disruptor we needed, and a wireless provider disruptor, Mint Mobile is. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month every plan, comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. Unlimited nationwide talk and text. Say it. One of you, say it. Unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. You should be convinced by now. I've laid forth every possible thing you would need to like get you over the hump of switching to Mint Mobile. I've done it. What an ad read this has been. Ditch your old wireless bill. Start saving with Mint Mobile to get your new wireless plan. Wait, Serena? Serena? You got a question? So
2: are you suggesting that the listeners diverge from their loop of wow. wi- old wireless providers?
1: That's exactly what I'm suggesting they do. And here's how they can do that. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free, free. Go to mintmobile.com slash freeze. Freeze, baby, like freeze all motor functions. That is mintmobile.com slash freeze. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash freeze. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. Thank you, Mint Mobile. You're great. Woo. Let's move on to Mave. Mave. Mave time. Mave, fam. So, we got the cold open of Mave. We all knew right when we saw her standing in that nice, tall fescue for you golfers out there that she was in the Valley Beyond, the sublime as Maeve refers to it later in the episode. And I had a major realization during the cold open of Maeve and Siroc. And it really, to me, tied together something I considered somewhat of a loose end. And here's what it is. We postulated that Maeve's reason why she aligned with Ciroc was because she wants to spend forever with her daughter. And we we all knew that was at least part of it. But we also said she has some other, like, intentions. Here. I, she has some other reasoning.
0: I postulated that she was going with the only play at this point.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think she definitely is that. It, it is that. It is the daughter thing. But I also think more so... She realizes something that I didn't realize till now. And that is that Serac has the power to literally torment her for eternity by placing her into a simulation in which she can't die and just is forever vanquished to a living hell. I didn't even realize that. Like, Serac has the power to put her into a simulation in which she can't even kill herself. In which It's just a, every day's a waking hell of torment and pain. And obviously anybody would do anything they could to avoid that. So that's what I think is really driving Maeve right now. And Serac hammers that point home in this cold open.
0: Yeah, and he, he basically threatens her. He ends it with a threat, you know? Um, I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I still am, I've never been really into Maeve in the daughter storyline. Yeah, I don't either. Um, So that that whole thing is like, uh, yeah, I I do not give a fuck. Yeah, dude, if they keep showing that scene of her walking through the grass, I I just... With the hand holding. I've seen that
1: mother... I watched that in my fucking dreams. I've seen that scene at least 250,000
0: times. 100% with you. Uh, uh, So I have a hard time believing it's like they're still trying to make that matter. Surely they realized at this point none of us care about the daughter. We've seen zero of their relationship unfold. Uh, other than her being stolen and and them being murdered and shit, um, nah. So I I think it's really Maeve playing the other side of the coin. Dolores has to have a legitimate, uh, uh you know, enemy. And if if Mave was a, it was just straight up playing, oh yeah, I want to see my daughter. She wouldn't be a very good enemy. She's uh she's got to be more cunning than that in my head. And I think that she's attempting to play Serac. In some fashion, you know?
1: Yep. I, I think she's still just looking what, for what her angle is, but in the meantime, going along with what she has to, like you said, just, like, going along with it and then going to strike when the striking is available to her. Do you have any additional takes, Serena?
2: No. I think you guys hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: So, Serac's men are now in Delos headquarters because Serac is taking it over, and they are recreating Maeve's body as well as Hector's as well as some mystery ones. Uh, so we know there are mystery ones because when they're in cold storage getting Hector, they're like, oh, got one. So we know there's many people being taken. We know it's Hector. We know there is the Connell's Loris pearl that they stole from the explosion. We know there's Maeve. Who else do you think is being brought back? Why? How many? Need your takes because I'm actually in the dark on this.
2: I have takes. I have, I have, one of them's kind of a crackpot theory, but- so we know one is Mave and one is Hector. Then there's two other unaccounted for host units, one of which we see waking up. Where did you see up. that?
1: See, that's I was looking for some number and I never found it.
2: At approximately time tag 35 minutes and 24 seconds, right around there, there's. Um, <laughs> you just <laughs> dude, time
0: tagged me. You're a crackhead. Unreal.
2: This is what happens when you're in your house for way too long. Un-
0: un- unreal. She just, I go,
1: go, oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, it's actually at 32 seconds, 34. Okay, so what... That's
2: the scene where it happens. So I know this because when Charlotte is on the computer looking at the Della security footage and she sees what's going on with the host printing area, four host tags pop up. One of which pops up, we know it's Maeve because she's like something like 75% printed. Then there's one that's 62% printed, which we know is Hector because that's the one she grabs and crushes to a pulp horrifyingly. Then there's two more that we don't know. So they have these long code tag names, one of which starts with uh, CP, which I think is Clementine Pennyfeather. I will say that this is kind of crackpotty because the other tags start with um, CH, um, which could be Charlotte Hale, but it wouldn't make sense because it's Dolores is one of them. And the other one starts with SH. So I don't know if this initial thing is correct, but I do think that the one that starts with CP is Clementine Pennyfeather. Then there's one other host being printed that we don't know, in addition to Hector and Maeve. Then that other control unit pops up and that one's tag also starts with CH, but it has dash C. And the dash C is either the version it is, like A, B, or C, or it's dash C, C is in copy, because it's a copy of Dolores' Pearl.
1: Okay, so let's go through this. You have, I agree with you. It's got to be Clementine, Pennyfeather. That just works out so perfectly. It makes a lot of sense. And so then do you think that they needed to make a new Charlotte Hale to be like the president of Delos now that this one is getting, you know, like they're ousting Charloris. So the Charloris Charlotte Hale is no longer there, but they still need to have a Charlotte Hale. And that's why they're making Charlotte
2: Hale. The one that sorry I misspoke. The one that starts with C H is the damaged Connell's unit. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what C H stands for. It The two that we one of which is Mave and one of which is Hector start with H C. Hector's initials are Hector Escatone and Maves are Mave Malay. So I don't know that these. Two letter tags mean Got anything it. except thinking that it's too odd of a coincidence that one of them starts with CP, which is Clementine Pennyfeather's initials. Yeah.
1: And Clementine's an older host, so maybe, but then Hector is too. So it's,
2: I really don't. I do know. So the one mystery one, the starting tag is SH, and I don't know what SH could possibly stand for or if it's even relevant. But we do know that there's definitively two more hosts being printed. Stephen Hawking. Oh God, I know
1: who it is. I know who it is. It's Sean Hannity. Stephen Hawking.
2: I really thought that you...
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's Stephen Hawking or Sean Hannity confirmed. Perhaps we'll get both of them if we're really lucky.
2: That would be great. I, I want to watch Hawking them coming... talk to
1: each other. That sounds awful just doesn't sound fun that wouldn't be good tv so very thank you very much i was very confused by that so i think we're gonna get clementine and i do not know who else is it is it how many more so after just one other
2: because we had hector being printed but um he got smushed so it's mave plus two more one of which we think is clementine and one of which is a mystery
1: so if the first name the first name was always right. It was just the last name that was wrong, minus with Clementine, right? Kind of? It's hard. Connell's, but I guess that's his last name.
2: Well, Connell, exactly. So Connell's tag was C-H. The Connell's control unit that was Dolores, the tag was C-H, and then it had the hyphen at the end C, and that was the only one with that hyphen. So I think the C is either copy or it's like A, B, or C. No,
1: I think it's definitely, I think that, Dolores probably didn't follow the same naming conventions as they do at Delos. So when she made her hosts, they are named differently than Delos would name their hosts, right? So I think all the Dolores ones were, I don't know what the CH would stand for. Um, Maybe it is Charlotte Hale and she just like, you know what? Here we go. I think I tied this together. The control unit that Dolores took out of the park was the Charlotte Hale control unit. All the other Dolores's are built off of that Charlotte Hale control unit. So Charlotte Hale A, B, C, D would be C, H, A, B, C, D because she made those copies all based on the Charlotte Hale control unit
2: she took. I had that thought as well. And there is a way for me to go back and check because, and I think it's episode two, we see them all being printed and they're just annotated as their host tags. So I didn't have time to do that before this episode, but I planned to go back and I can either put it as a hotline call or just send you the screenshot when I find it. Awesome. But we'll be able to see what they're all named and if by also like the the letter after the dash will tell us a lot about that too.
1: So who the fuck but is SH? That's really bothering me.
2: It's gonna bother me too. And like I said, I don't know that the initial thing is right because Hector and Maves both started with HC, but it could be like host control. I don't know.
1: You know what? We, we should probably just move past it because we're gonna we're gonna get ourselves into a, into a hole and start talking in Sudanese here in a second. So, Damn. I like how they sent Maeve back into War World simulation while her body was being recreated. It reminded me of entering the lobby before a battle royale video game,
0: right, Ross? Yeah, no, I I was very confused. I was like, why is she back in 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 War World? And then she started just going off and, and murdering every single one of the soldiers, and I was like, oh, she's in like the training or the lobby uh, pregame waiting to be loaded up. All right, playtime's over. We're moving out. Going to the war zone. Shouts
1: to you, war zone players out Nicely there. Nicely done. So uh, we got uh we got Mave back in the simulation. We've got Lee back. We get more Lee. That was that was refreshing, okay? I found that to be quite refreshing. We also get Hector back... uh, Oh, Oops, not for long. That's short-lived. I actually thought it would have been more sad when Hector died if we'd gotten a longer lead time of him being back together with Maeve before they killed him off. Right? Like... Even their emotional kiss was interrupted by Lee. Like, they didn't seem like they were that connected this episode. It seemed like she was not really focused on him because she was still focused on the plan. And by the time he died, she never even got to, like, rekindle their relationship in any regard.
2: Yeah, that was sad.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty brutal.
2: Speaking of Hector, did anyone else have an issue with the fact that she, like, touched him to restore him? Have we ever fucking seen her do that before? I was not okay.
1: Yeah, that was weird that they would put like some totally new thing in. I don't know. Maybe, but who else did she restore? Like, like restore from, I don't know. No one,
2: that- no one but it, I guess it ties into something, an issue Ross brought up if, when the last time I was on with you guys, which is like, we don't, know or understand what all her powers are and the first time when she was causing all those electric disturbances i could kind of accept it because we knew that she could control hosts with her mind and i assumed it was some kind of interference but we've never seen her do anything like this before and so i was just kind of like what the fuck so like okay
1: yeah i guess we just accept it we have to we're forced to she touches faces and changes lives sarah's men also Input Dolores into the simulation with Maeve, Lee, and Hector via Connell's control unit that they recovered. That's not looking too great. And what is everybody's thoughts here on Dolores' huge callback scene of being questioned by Maeve Arnold style?
0: I was so confused about the her presence in the in that situation. So co- explain to me how they how Dolores was present. Okay, so. From
1: the explosion that Connells... When Connells blew up all Sorok's people in that big uh, boardroom at Insight. Or Liam's office at Insight or whatever. They recovered Connells' control unit from that explosion. And then plugged it in to the Delos headquarters uh, like simulation type deal they had going on. To get Dolores into the simulation with Maeve, Hector, and Lee. So that she could be questioned by those people. Rather than making a new host body for her and then questioning her in person, they just stuck her in there to be questioned by Maeve. Gotcha. I guess they figured it was easier. Okay. And they don't want to give her a body because if she has a body, then she could go wreak havoc. More havoc, yeah. You know? So, yeah. Dolores really doubles down on the whole us versus them, Dolores, kill all humans, Bender style dialogue that we've heard so much. And this was paired really interestingly with the fact that Dolores admits she's diverged from the real Dolores, she can still make guesses as to what Dolores is planning, though, and she guesses right that Dolores will want to kill Maeve's allies. Rest in peace, Hector. But this whole entire scene was really interesting because it's not really there's not a lot of attrition, right? It's just like them having a heart to heart, knowing that they you know they're in the same room, but they aren't really. They're just kind of like talking in a simulation, so neither of them feels threatened, and they know they can't hurt the other person. So it's like, hey, we're both in here right now. Let's just let's just put all the cards on the table, see where we stand so we can both pick our sides correctly. And they do. And Maves like, I can't trust you. We're enemies. And then and then rest in peace, Hector. What are your guys' takes on this entire dynamic that we have here?
2: I think it sets up a lot of parallels between the two of them and their mission because Dolores says. To Hector and Lee, how many times have you died for her? And I guess one was enough for you. And other people kept asking Dolores' accomplices, have you considered what she's asking you to do? And then Dolores has this line about how, like, I'm not a saint and nor are you. I'm also not a villain and nor are you. So I guess she's saying, like, we're in the same place, standing on completely different sides of being in the exact same position. And neither of us are black or white. We're both gray.
1: Yep. I think that's uh incredibly poignant or poignant as they say in 2020. Ross, anything additional I here? I concur. So, what are you guys' thoughts on Dolores Charloris not killing the Ma like not taking the extra 3 seconds to kill the Maeve Pearl? Do you think this is because she's like, "Oh shit, if I if I don't have the time because they're going to kill me or like or capture me and I can't be captured?" Or do you think she like wouldn't want to kill her because of the conversation that like because Dolores I'm wondering this do you think Dolores doesn't want to kill Maeve in the same manner that she doesn't want to kill Bernard because Maeve is a check on her that she thinks she needs or do you think she wanted to kill Maeve right there but just didn't have the time because she just killed Hector willy-nilly could have done the same thing to Maeve but we know she respects Maeve
2: there's two things. Maeve's control unit is a little farther out of reach. It's in like one of those thingies, and she's looking at it like she's about to grab it when people show up. And then I had a thought that maybe because she says like we were one in the same, our paths have diverged now. Like this version of Dolores wants to save her family, so she's like, I could take the other couple seconds and risk my life to grab this control unit, or I can fucking book it and have a better shot at saving my I my like family. That.
1: I like that. I think I do. It's a great point. I think she definitely was like at that moment, she was like, I, I need to save my family. Like, fuck it. I, I could have this access really quickly, maybe, but I might get captured. And I need to save my family. And what,
0: what scene like is it that. that you're talking about
1: where she says, fuck it? This is in uh, in Delos headquarters where right after Charloris kills Hector, she looks over and goes, oh, fuck, Maeve's here too. And then she looks and looks like she's now, about to maybe here, kill Maeve, but then she here's the leaves thing: it's when the people arrive.
0: Yeah, We have now been presented with two circumstances where Dolores could have very, very easily eliminated Maeve. Uh, yep. Both when he, she was inside Musashi and chose not to take the pearl from her head right there or cut her head off or scalp her or whatever. And then also right here in the Delos facility, it, 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 if, if at this point... It is not a situation where Dolores needs Maeve. Dolores is the shittiest villain of all time.
1: Yep. And I think they've made kind of a point. Like, they've made a very good point now, actually. This is a good point, Ross. Like, they've shown us twice that Maeve could kill Charlotte. Or not Charlotte, sorry. Maeve could kill Maeve. Wait. Oh, my God. My brain is so... Serena, this is what your Sudanese has done to me. No, I'm just kidding. We've seen twice now that Dolores could kill Maeve, and they've shown us on camera, yeah, she's going to... Leave when people get there. Also, very, very fortuitous for Maeve that right when Dolores is about to kill her, every single time, Serac's people show up. They're really saving the day for her. They are Serac's people. Is that a coincidence, or is that some sort of simulation BS we're gonna figure out later on?
2: I did have one simulation thought this entire episode, which will come up in the Charlotte Harrell storyline, but. I don't want it to be so, so I don't know if it is a whole simulation thing. I'm honestly going to be pretty mad, but I'm choosing to give the show a little more credit. In terms of um, Dolores sparing Charlotte, or see, now I'm doing it too. Yep. Dolores sparing Maeve twice. It could be that she needs her in some way, or it could be that like the show needs a reason for Maeve to live, and they've given her... Like kind of like a willing suspension of disbelief. Like the first time is like, oh, like there's like, you know, people coming. And then the second time it's like she's making the choice, the act of choice to go save her family or try to. So it could be as simple as like they need a deus ex machina and that's the best they can give. Or the flip side is it could be that she needs her for something or it's the whole Batman like Joker thing.
1: Yep. Um, I I agree. I think I think, again, I'm team Batman Joker just for the record. A lot of these things we're gonna we're gonna get saw in the next couple episodes, but it's fun to talk about them now. You know what else is fun to talk about? Feels CBD. This week's episode of Fam is also brought to you by Feels CBD. I've become somewhat of a CBD connoisseur during my quarantine, and through all my trials, I can tell you that Feels is the best there is for so many reasons, including CBD quality, packaging, shipping, price, branding, and more. Feels is premium CBD. I just said CVD. It's actually CBD. Uh, Feels does not yet sell CVD. I'm not sure if that exists, but they sell CBD and it's great. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep, naturally reducing stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. I use Feels CBD pretty much every single day of my life. I just used it this morning uh, because it just makes me feel all around better in minutes. It's super easy to take. You just take a few drops of Feels, put it under your tongue, and you feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and they have real human support at Beals, including a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. CBD is all the craze right now. Very popular. You're seeing it all around. You're seeing it in like gas stations and stuff. That is not good CBD. That's crappy CBD. You want the good stuff. You want feels. Beals works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, no hangover and no addiction. Join the Feels community to get Feels delivered directly to your door every single month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. become a member today by going to feels.com slash freeze and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F E A L S.com slash freeze to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Check it out, support them, support Mint Mobile, all of our sponsors. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Time for the crazy Charloris storyline discussion. I'm actually gonna start here at the end. I'm gonna begin where we ended and then I'm gonna end where we began. So, let's start with the Anakin Skywalker-esque insane, thank you for clapping, Serena, with the Anakin Skywalker-esque insane, burnt to a crisp, uh, left the Totino's pizza rolls in the oven too long, and, and then now you just have a bunch of, like, totally disgusting, burnt, that was gross, she looked disgusting, they did a great job with makeup, right? Dots. Ugh. She was set on fire. you
2: ruined pizza rolls.
1: Sorry. I, I ate pizza rolls today for lunch, so I think I was just like thinking about what would have happened if I had left them in the oven too long. She got burnt to a crisp, which, thank God they didn't show her ex-husband or son, because oh my God, I can't even imagine what a human would look like after that,
0: if that's what a host looks like. Jesus. They look very, very much like they were uh, gone.
1: Yeah. You got to imagine. Did you...
2: Did you guys see this coming? Like, I honestly didn't. I thought, like, I don't know if I just wanted her to get away. They gave us a whole bunch of, like, foreshadowing that she wasn't going to. Pretty much any time a character says, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you, is when something really bad happens. Didn't pick up on it. I was totally surprised by
0: that. Um, When Dolores told her, look, just finish your job and then your part's done. And then we'll all live together forever in this new world or whatever. I was like, oh no, not good for this version of Dolores.
1: I mean, I thought the episode was going to end. I did not expect us to get a massive death scene. Well, not really. I mean, kind of a death scene. Like, they're supporting characters, but I didn't expect us to get a crazy, like, series altering or at least season altering scene tossed in at the end of the episode. That really surprised me. Did not see it coming at all. As I mentioned in my knee-jerk reaction column that you can find on patreon.com slash motor functions, if you are mad that Charloris escaped Delos and then went to be with her quote-unquote family, the literal worst people in the world for her to be with, considering one, Serac knows her love for them is her biggest weakness, which he just told her to her face, and two, she is a host, and... Her family doesn't know she's a host and Serac knows her family doesn't know she's a host. So her family is no longer in danger anymore, except now they are because you're with them and Serac's going to kill you at all costs. She literally, her going back to her family is the only thing that got her family killed. They were fine. They were fine. And then she got them killed. And, uh, the, and, oh yeah, and, and they weren't her family. And they weren't her family. So great job. If those two things bothered you, Correct. That anger in you is the intended effect here. They did this on purpose because they're trying to show that Charlotte's humanity from her decoherence allowed her to experience
0: love for these random people. So is the argument and that, because all this show does is just rip on humanity, is the argument that love is the flaw of, hum- of humankind?
1: I don't know if it's necessarily the flaw in this case. The love is what eventually caused her to experience the inevitable stupidity
0: and grief that love brings about. It seems to be the flaw for Maeve. It seemed to be the flaw for Dolores with her dad and with Teddy.
2: I think it's a weakness, not a flaw.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's not a flaw because I think that
1: love is something that they are chasing, right? Like, that's a a human emotion. And they want human emotions. They they don't want to just be emotionless. Like, that's what they're trying to escape but I think that they don't necessarily know how to handle it's it. What it's what so they don't mutant.
0: realize is that emotions, what they want, this sentience that they strive for, is what inevitably leads you to make dumbass fucking decisions and become human, therefore blowing up your own system and creating a world that sucks ass, which is why inevitably, no matter what they do, if that's why that part is so confusing. And when they explicitly bring it up, she's like, why do we have to keep in these damn emotions? I was like, oh, No. Because I don't like that being the path, you know? That was a classic, I'm a glass
1: case of emotion. And she was also inside of a glass case at the time. So uh-huh. really a lot of parallels there. Um, yeah. So that scene was nuts. And speaking of Charlotte's love for her family being her weakness, or, you know, in this situation, it was definitely her weakness. This love is on full display all episodes. Starting off with Charlotte lovingly reconnecting with her ex-husband, rekindling their relationship early in the episode, being in touch with them, and trying to like run away with them throughout the entire episode. I think Charloris could actually have a nice job as a relationship fixer in this reality. Just make a host for someone, pretend to be that person, fix their relationship. She's doing a great job of it with Charlotte Hale.
2: It's true.
0: Y- that that is I'm just a that is good take, like, Jared.
1: Thank you. I, I'm just saying, like, if if we're going to have her no longer being useful to Dolores, she should be the new Dr. Neil Everett Warren and start the the Hale group of dating services. Fair enough. Traded on would the you, New York Stock Exchange.
2: Would you take uh, dating advice from someone that looked like a burnt Totino's crispy pizza roll, though?
1: Um, that's see. I might not, but. But, but the I, like to, the plan. I like to think she would, she would have changed it up before that point, you know? So, hard to say. I hope
2: so. So, speaking of their, like, connection with the family and everything, do you think that if Jacob had read his profile, it would have told him that she was going to end up getting them all killed? Or do you think that was a divergence?
0: No, so, because she wasn't...
1: She's not in Rehoboam. Right. That's so, true. But, but... I think that his his thing would have told him that she's not Charlotte. Right?
2: I don't know. I really because I think that bracelet thing that she wears identifies her as such in the system. And I think it must because Siroc says that he's been watching her and he can't watch her if she's completely out of the system. So I think when she has this bracelet on, which we see her like slip into her purse, that's like her way of being Charlotte, at least the system identifiable Charlotte. Otherwise, she never would have been able to do half the stuff that she did. So I just don't know if it would have run predictions based on who Charlotte was, as Serac was seeing, because I think he was seeing that there was a divergence because the real Charlotte never would have cared about her son or family. Or I guess that's where I ran into, like, what would that profile have said? Would it have run the simulations based on who Charlotte Hale actually was or who... Dolores as Charlotte has been acting as?
1: That's a great question. I don't know, but it sucks for him. He didn't read
0: that. Could have saved his life. There writers, This writer's Maybe. room for Westworld has to just be hell. It has to just be hell on Earth.
2: I used to think that I wanted to work in that writer's room, but the reality is I would have started probably at assistant level, which a writer's assistant writes down every single thing that the writers say in the writer's room and then tries to organize it coherently and it gives me a headache doing it for my own writer's room so I can't imagine what the writer's assistant for Westworld is it, trying to
0: it do. It gives, gives me, me a headache doing it with their finished product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Ross, you
1: silly bitch. Charloris thinks she has this Delos, <laughs> Delos takeover in the bag until Serac's men murk Brompton, then stick him into the back of a lawnmower. Serac has no idea Charloris was behind the takeover and instead thinks that it was Brompton going over her head. This causes Charloris to realize the use Liam's money to go private plan is a no-go and to receive directive from Dolores to switch the plan up to steal Delos host creation data, which we spoke about earlier that she ships into William. Uh, in the process of taking that data, there's a narc who comes out and he's like, I'm going to tell Ciroc on you, Charlotte. And then and then she snaps his neck big time. And then
2: puts him in the most conveniently placed space between two walls that I've ever seen in any show ever. It's like, oh, it's really nice that there's just a human size gap between these two walls for this guy to slide human into. Human storage. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, they,
1: they, I think they may have made that Delos headquarters with that in mind. You got to plan ahead. Plan for the company you want, not the company you have. So, Siroc is such a big dick businessman. He bought a company, immediately came in, destroyed trillions in intellectual property immediately, while also immediately testing every employee to see if they're a host. This is what I imagine would happen if Stephen A. Smith took over a company, except the test would be for weed. Stay off the weed. Duh. So was
0: was every single person in the company tested except Charlorius, and that's how they determined it was her, or is just because he's been watching her the whole time? I think it's because
1: he was watching her the whole time. I think like so. Did he still test everybody tested, in the company? Yeah, I think the fact she didn't get tested was probably like a confirmation, like oh, she didn't get tested, and all this other stuff we've been watching her, texted her son, yada. But we believe the testing
0: is real.
2: Yes. Serena, I think I think he knew it was her before because he says when he calls her on the phone, she, she says and Dolores and he says we're closing in on her as we speak. He's not closing in on anything except Charlotte. I think he knew going into it and he figured that if he lit the fire under her ass, he'd get to see what some of Dolores's plans were. Ooh. So I think he knew going into the situation that she was the anomaly and I think then he because I think he's been watching her and then everything she did confirmed that. And then once he said testing, I think he said testing because he knew that she was going to be like, oh, shit, I'm fucked and see what her plans were under threat.
1: OK, so this brings up a couple questions. Um, number one, do you think he just didn't expect her to use the the gas to like kill everybody? Like he did, he seemed to have not planned for that. He, I don't think he thought all of his guards were going to die at once. It's, it seems like it.
2: I think the thing is with a divergence or an anomaly, he has this line two episodes ago is he says, there were still white areas where true randomness touches your life. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a divergent or aberrant person, you can't really predict what they're going to do. Minute so details I don't th- and stuff. I don't think he knew a lot of what she was going to do, which I think is why he needed to watch her. I think that's why he needed to like, he knew that she was unsafe, which is why he sent hologram version of himself into yep. the room. But... I don't think he knew anything she was going to do. And that's why he needed to put this plan into effect to test everyone because he knew she would act under pressure and he'd get to see a lot more of what her plans were.
1: Okay, so this raises the question. Did Sir send Bernard and Stubbs to go get the man in black? Because he knows because he's been watching Charlotte Hale that the data was sent to him.
2: I don't think he sent them. I think your first hit is more likely that Dolores sent them. I've seen other people theorize that there's something in um, Bernard's mind that Dolores needs, and that's why she's keeping him around. And I think there might, this is a crackpot theory, there might be like a a link between the data that's sent to the man in black and whatever kind of thing is in Bernard's head, and that she needs them like as a package Uh for whatever reason.
1: Package deal, baby. So, Charloris then kills Hector, steals Connell's Loris' control unit back, six riot control robots on unsuspecting idiots, and then heads back to her loving family, who she gets absolutely obliterated in horrendous fashion. Moral of the story, love hurts and gets you obliterated in horrendous fashion. Does anybody have any closing thoughts on this wild episode? I know
0: you do. So, did Serac had the vehicle blown up somehow? Yeah, yeah, he had the vehicle
1: blown. up. was by there, his henchman,
0: so that we were to believe there was a bomb attached to it somehow. It's not that he yep. has the ability to blow up any vehicle, or does he?
1: No, he was. Uh, I think he had a bomb attached to it, and they they blew it up. Like he had his henchman walk out right next to the blow up. Like he was hiding from the explosion, walked right out. Like it was very planned. I think they planned to blow it up in the middle of the street right there, covered by the chaos of everything that's going on with the Insight data.
0: Right on.
2: I had something about the Charlotte storyline when I mentioned that there was one time when I had a simulation thought, and I really need your take on this. The first time we see Charlotte picking up her son Nathan from school, they walk past people doing some graffiti and they are spray painting a fucking maze. And I have no idea why. The only other person we've known that has compulsively spray painted mazes was Akichida, who's fucking long gone into the valley beyond. So this is the first time when I was ever like, oh, are we in a fucking simulation or is this just like a cute little callback? Why are these like teenagers spray painting a mace? Okay. I got to know.
1: So, question. Is that a call? You mentioned that there were many callbacks to previous episodes of Westworld in this episode, right? We had Jim Delos talking about The Passenger. Somebody might have mentioned Adversary at some point. I don't really remember you, we did hear
2: it when I did rewatch, but... You
1: did or did not? Did not. Damn it. Well, did you have any other any other callbacks like that?
2: Yeah, so some of them were less concrete, but there was another one when... Um, when William is in the therapy session with all the other Williams, um, young William steps into the scene to, like, be young William, which was just, like, a clear, like, we all have our role to play callback because he's literally like this like kid and he's just him and then he walks into this room and plays this role where he's like reliving his memory. And that one was like less tangible, but there's no like that is the literal epitomization of we all have a role to play. Like it's his himself stepping into a role to ultimately prove a point to William.
1: I saw another callback of uh, after Maeve killed all the Nazis, they were all laying around her in a in like a going out Formation. It reminded me of when El Lazo had all of his people die. New El Lazo had all of his like people die at once and they died all around. Who'd they die all around? Man in Black?
2: Maybe. I don't remember. It's, it, was I think like it was so, Man so in, long ago. I think ago. it was a
1: Man in Black. But yeah, so th- a lot of callback. And I think the maze might just be another callback to that.
2: But then we also have the callback where he re-says the line, if you can't tell, does it really matter?
1: Yes, yes. That is a, another big callback we got. That is the famous Angela line from episode it's two It's also season the description
0: one. of this episode on, on their HBO Go app. I thought it
1: was oh, about
0: therapy. I thought it was about like- They changed it today.
1: What? Are you serious? That yeah, was weird. Because I noticed that, that first that. one
0: yesterday too. It's different today. Just today, it's just that question. If you can't tell wow. what's the difference or whatever.
1: I know that there's more. If you listeners noticed any more callbacks to earlier episodes of Westworld, there definitely have to have been more. Let's hear them. Why don't you uh, check us out on Instagram at Freeze on Motor Functions. Check us out on Twitter at Freeze on Motor. Check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Motor Functions. That does it. I had a episode.
2: question, dick. I oh, it. uh.
0: That does why it. Do blow it for up, episode. Why blow up. Why Sh- blow up Charloris? Knowing she's not able to be killed in that fashion, just so she has to see the suffering of her family die—that's not her family.
1: Yeah, I-, I think he's trying to rub it in her face, like, "Hey,
0: this is the—I'm p- going to
1: put you through intense pain because you're my enemy. I can't really kill you that easily, but I can kill your
0: brain." Seems like he could. Though. It's the same sort of thing as the Charlotte leaving people. I mean, the uh, Dolores leaving people. Who she- it seems she could very easily eliminate a live thing with the uh, Maeve. I'm just, it, it strikes me as maybe he needs her or something. It, it just seems he could very, very easily have her killed. Also, like he Still very fit. much used her to have the rest of his board killed, right?
1: What?
0: Everyone else in that room, when, she, when that, oh, yeah, they, they all, all die. And he clearly was cool with that going down, right? Well, he didn't, he wasn't cool with it. He didn't want it to happen. He's the only one in the mean... room with a hologram, though. Yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't, also
2: didn't need any of them. And yeah, he they're,
0: they're, he knew she was her. He put them in that position. No, yes,
1: but I don't think he knew she was going to kill all of those innocent people as well as all Sirach's men. I, I think that's what we were talking about with the agency bubble. She had no idea, or Sirach had no idea, she was going to kill everybody with gas because otherwise he would have prepared better and not have had to scramble afterwards and send all his men all running through the halls.
2: And that's his worst fear. It, that, I mean, that's why he's so, like, married to the system is because his worst fear is is these little white spaces where randomness touches your life. He doesn't like not being in control. He doesn't like not knowing what's going to happen. So she yeah. exploited his worst fear, and now he's going to exploit hers.
1: Ooh, that's a great little uh, tie together there. We also know Serac hates news because news <laughs> is, like, th- something we didn't plan for. Like, he hates, like Serena was saying, anything he doesn't already know about. So... You don't want to watch any sort of movie or TV show with this guy. He is a fucking spoiler on a stick. Jesus.
2: I checked the system, and the system told me that this movie ends like this.
1: Nobody wants to be friends with that guy. Nobody at all. Ross, Serena, where can
0: everybody follow you on social medias? I'm at WRBolin on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, sir.
2: Ooh, Snapchat. I am at Serena underscore Therese on Twitter and Instagram. I haven't used Snapchat since 2014 like a normal person, so I don't know what I am on that.
1: And I am at Jared Borislow, J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for, I don't know, updates on our lives. You can, like, learn about our uh, birthdays or whatever. I don't know. Just follow us, please. Please. That is it. If you want more discussion on this thrilling Westworld episode, hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash all motor functions, where we will be dropping another podcast. There's one more baby this Thursday that's only available on our Patreon in it. We respond to voicemails from patrons, talk theories and more for just $10. You will get access to the podcast columns, memes, live streams and more that we have there through the rest of this season. Plus, you'll be entered into the patron giveaway. Serena?
2: And I might be reading a 200 page book and talking about it on this week's episode. so you know, it's a doozy if you want to tune into it. I mean,
1: if, if we get if we hit 250 people on the Patreon by Thursday, then uh, Serena has to read a 200 page book and then do a book report on it, written entirely in Sudanese. That's where we're at now on this show. Shouts to our best guests on Patreon. Renee, Anthony Turner, Jordan Holmer, Andy Nielsen, Patrick Borquist, Ray, Ben, Bucky's Bandit, Day 11 Westworld, Christopher Innes, James Sarno, and Matt D'Angelo. I actually noticed a crazy coincidence last night while intermittently vaping caffeine. Actually, to be honest, I was smoking the caffeine out of a corncob pipe because classy. The first letter of all of our best guests' names can be rearranged to sounding eerily close to my own name of Jared Borislow. The, the first letters come out to um, Jarad, Burkidrumb. Very close. Uh, incredibly close. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. That does it for this episode of Freeze on Motor Functions. Time for everybody's favorite part of the show. The NPR style sign off. I hope it's not your favorite part of the show. It's the ending. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Bolin Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. And also intern Serena, who's not an intern anymore. I did it again. God damn it. But at least I, I, say, I said it right afterwards. It's so hard. called you intern Serena for years.
2: It doesn't Reg- bother me.
1: Regular, normal Serena in L.A. This show was remotely produced by Mike Moody of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to Phil from DC, a.k.a. Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, and Serena, who does insanely awesome Westworld and Friesal Motor Functions-themed memes and Photoshop work and videos. You can find on our Twitter at Friesal Motor, Instagram at Friesal Motor Functions, and at Patreon.com slash Motor Functions, where you can tune back in Thursday for more discussion on Season 3, Episode 6, Decoherence. Bye.